We are interrupting this regularly scheduled program. Ah, oh, just kidding, messing with you. I had to jump in the beginning here and just tell you that this topic of this episode, for me, I find so incomprehensible that the video that I have put in the show notes is probably as important or more important than the information I'm actually giving you. It's one of those things that you can hear about it, but once you see it, it changes everything. So I encourage you, more than anything else, you have to watch the video. This video is so interesting. I think you can't stop watching it. I feel like when you watch it, you're going to feel as though, what am I watching? There's no way I'm seeing what I'm seeing. How is this even possible in my body? I'm serious. I had to break in the beginning of this episode to tell you this because I think it's easy to look past what we're about to discuss and just think, oh, it's just one more piece of the puzzle, one more piece of my body. It's just one more piece of anatomy. They are just scratching the surface of what this is. And I am so fascinated with this tissue that I can't really comprehend the full scale of all the implications it has right now that we know of and in the future of things we will find out. It's almost as if I'm speechless when I'm watching that video. This episode is not about that video. This episode is about what that video is about. I just wanted to bring to light, before you listen to this episode, how important it is to visualize what is actually happening in your body. And this video does that. I think once you see it, you will think differently of your body. I know I did. I've heard of this. I've read about this, but I've never seen this. I hope you enjoy this episode because this one's really fun. Here we go. The Reality of Truth podcast. Let's go. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Welcome, friends. What holds you together? Why do you have shape? How come you don't just fall apart into a tissue mess on the floor? How come something can hit you and it doesn't go right through your body? So if you squeeze your arm with your hand, how come you can't squeeze right through your arm? If you cut your skin, what is a cut? Why is it so hard to break a bone? Why does your skin have texture? How does your skin stretch so much without tearing or ripping? Why do your arms and legs stay attached to your body? How come someone can't just pull on your arm and rip it off? How come you can pull on your skin and it goes right back? How come your nails don't just literally pull off of your fingers or your toes? How are you even a 3D structure? It's called fascia. It is extremely difficult to describe what fascia is. 
what it looks like, how it functions, especially all of its roles. So I'm gonna do my best to try and sort this out a little bit. Kinda help you get a visual in your mind maybe, so you're gonna have to use your imagination a little bit. It's still sort of a newer discovery of the body because for so long, science thought it was just in the way. When they were trying to do things like surgery or cadaver work, they kept having to move it aside to get to the organ which they never realized was just as important as the organ. Now they know that's not the case. This episode, it is my opinion, and this is just my opinion, that fascia is the number one physical structure in your body. It is the most important physical structure and probably has more to do with your overall health than anything else does. I'll explain a lot of that in this episode. Of course your organs are really important, but the organ is made up of connective tissue, or known as fascia, F-A-S-C-I-A. It is such a phenomenal part of our body. I'm going to do my best to try and describe it, but I know that I can't do it justice, and it's going to be hard for you to follow along with what I'm trying to describe to you. It's so dynamic and incredible, you have to kind of see it. So I recommend going online, looking up photos and videos showing this. If your fascia is not healthy, then those organs are not going to be healthy. You'll have rigidity and stiffness that creeps in from poor nutrition, poor dietary choices, lack of movement, bad EMF fields, etc. It's sort of like crystallizing the fascia in your body or the connective tissue, it would be like taking a flexible rubber mesh substance and freezing it. And then you try and stretch it out. It's just going to crack and break. You have more fascia in your body than you have anything else. It basically wraps all the structures of your body individually and then as a whole. It's also like rigging. Picture a sailboat and all those ropes and things and pulleys and knots and tie-downs. That would be like the rigging of this fascia in your body. Another way to look at it is you could picture a water balloon and your heart is in it or your kidney. The rubber of the balloon would be the fascia. And then you have fluids that would be the water in the balloon. And then where you would blow up that balloon, the air inlet, that comes down into like a cone shape. And then that is kind of like what it looks like as it attaches to areas of your body, like bones or muscles or other connected tissue that holds it in place. In your muscles, it's what connects your muscles to your skeletal system in that same way. Now, think of a cross section of an orange, better yet, a grapefruit. It literally gives you all your shape. So in the case of an orange or grapefruit, especially the grapefruit, if you cut through their halfway cross-section, that's what it looks like. And then a more visceral experience would be to try and start peeling the peel away, you know, the, the peel, the rind, with your fingers. And then once you get started getting in there, then you just start ripping it apart all of the stuff, which is the pith, holding all that, quote, flesh, unquote, 
together, that is the same thing as fascia. You have individual little juice pieces, they're segmented, and then the fleshy part of the grapefruit as a whole, and then you have the outside rind. So all that white pith, that's exactly what fascia looks like in your body. If you take the skin off of a chicken breast, fascia is what holds the skin to the breast meat. If you try and take the muscle off of the carcass, fascia is what's holding it to the carcass. It is totally like a network of fractal structures that can shift and move along each other, creating this sort of web. Literally, it kind of looks like a three-dimensional structure of a spider web. Actually, kind of looks like spider web material too. It's clear, looks wet. It's constantly resetting itself and then restructuring itself. So it changes to its environment. When you look at it in the photos and the videos, there's like these tendrils, like mini ropes or fishing line. If you're familiar with what fishing line looks like, it's clear and strong. These tendrils are grabbing onto each other all over the place and they're constantly changing and moving and shifting. And if they split, they create two more tendrils. It's amazing when you see it. Then they can move along each other like a slipknot, constantly changing its position, almost like a sliding joint, like a rope connected to another rope. And where the rope connects to that rope, there's a little joint and you can slide that back and forth. Fascia tendrils are actually doing that all the time. Then inside of it, you can see water traveling through it because it's clear. It is so dynamic that it actually looks like it's out of this world. Almost something alien. You wouldn't think this would be actually in your body. It is actually beautiful. It surrounds places like muscles and then these tendrils, see, they generally go parallel to the muscle fibers, but in sort of like a wavy pattern, hard to describe with words. But the basic idea is that they can stretch with the muscle and that keeps it together. And this gliding one on top of the other is the most important part. So if you have bad fascia, tendrils are literally going all over the place in a tangled up net kind of a looking thing. There's too much of it and it's not hydrated. It's sticky. It's too dense. Now, when you contract your muscles and then relax them, they're actually sliding back and forth across each other. So picture that chicken breast again. You can move the skin around that breast easily. That ability to do that is also determined by something called hyaluronic acid. So if you move that skin around on that chicken breast, then you lift that skin and you see that membrane that's a, holding it attached to the breast meat. That's fascia, one representation of it. And if you were to get down microscopically and look at it, it's crazy looking like a net going all over the place in this 3D fashion. Now this hyaluronic acid is amazing stuff and Fascia creates it on purpose, and we'll get into that a little bit further here. I'm sure you may have heard of it. A lot of people use it for their skin because it's really, really good for your skin. Why is it good for your skin? Well, that would be because there's fascia that makes up your skin. You know of it as collagen. Now, collagen is part of the matrix, but it's not technically the fascia that I'm talking about. 
yes, I'm going to say fascia a lot in this episode because that's what we're referring to and it's kind of hard not to. Collagen isn't the full end game. It's just part of it. So that's why I'm not talking about collagen specifically. Now, this sliding motion is basically fascia on top of fascia. If it doesn't have adequate hydration, it can't make hyaluronic acid, which is kind of like a lubricant. So when that can't slide back and forth, you lose range of motion. And that's where it's uncomfortable to do just about anything because you're forcing that to happen, which then you damage that fascia. And since it has nerve endings, you might feel soreness. Oh yeah. You don't just feel soreness from muscles. See, when you move and train and exercise your body and do things regularly without sitting around and doing nothing, the body will change that fascia. It will change with you. So the more you do and the more diversity you have in your movement, the better this fascia is as a whole in your entire body. So when you're sore from doing something that you don't normally do, sometimes it's just the fascia changing because it has the nerve endings and then the muscle is fine. It's the fascia that's actually the one that's changed. In some places, it's soft and supple and stretchy. And then in other areas, it can be dense or rigid, super strong, even sticky, or it can be tightly woven like tendons or that IT band that, that goes down the outside of your leg. The one that when that thing doesn't feel good, boy, you feel it in all kinds of areas. Those tightly woven fascia are like ropes. And that's what you see as tendons and ligaments. Now you can't train your fascia. That's not what happens. When you do, let's say, weightlifting or anything like that, you aren't actually doing anything to your fascia. Your fascia actually responds to that muscle movement and changes itself. So technically, you're not doing anything to your actual fascia. I know, seems counterintuitive, but that's the way it actually is. They can see it. You have these really large bands of it. For example, you have these bands crisscrossing across your torso. They go down your arms. They can go down your legs. By training your body in anything you can, you create pliable, strong, resilient fascia. These bands, now they're, they're large, okay? These are huge, actually. Or you can think of it as sheets. They're kind of like an inner clothing, so to speak. Almost as if it's an inner wetsuit. So not only does fascia make up the tiny little parts of an organ or tissue in your body, but then as you look larger, you can see one of them that is almost an entire apron that covers and surrounds your entire abdomen, holding in all your guts. It's a magnificent design. So if you're training or doing something every day, all the time for years on end, that fascia clothing will develop to only strengthen and hold you in that particular way. So an example would be something like a cyclist who's, you know, hunched over, holding the handlebars for hours. 
every day, years on end, decades. His torso bent over with his arms forward, holding those handlebars. That fascia sheeting that's in the body becomes super strong to hold him in that posture. So anything outside of that, you can hurt yourself or you can tear the fascia and you're going to feel it. This is why stretching and flexibility and doing many different ranges of motion will create the most universal fascia network. Sounds kind of cool, doesn't it? Universal fascia network. Yeah, you've heard stretching and you should be flexible. You've heard this your whole life. Here's the difference. Stretching, they thought was just to warm the muscles. They didn't really know why you stretched. It was a good idea. Well, now we know it's because of the fascia. If you don't stretch that stuff and work it, it gets stiff and sticky. And that allows for very little flexibility. You actually can increase blood flow and oxygenation by stretching. That alone can help the fascia. And then the fascia can also help the circulation and the oxygenation. So it's this two-way street. One of the worst things you can do, and people are doing it all day now, is sitting. Every day, you're bent over in this posture and your body fascia grows this way to hold you in that way. Because that's actually how it's designed. To keep you together as a whole human being made up of all your tissues. Otherwise, your tissues would just have no structure and would be a mess laying on the floor. You would just disintegrate into a pile of flesh. So then when you get up from sitting, you say, oh, wow, I am so stiff. Guess what that stiffness is? Oh yeah, that is your fascial structure. The whole fascial structure in your body from your upper torso all the way down into your legs and all the way around your waist, around your buttocks, or the crisscross band across the back of your whole body, when you train only what's called sagittal, these are the type of exercises, let's say you're standing, you're doing bicep curls. You're just facing forward, you're lifting your arms while standing. Or squats, you're just facing forward, you squat down, you stand back up. You're only training the fascia to do what's called the sagittal plane. That's S-A-G-I-T-T-A-L, sagittal plane. That is forward, backward. Then the next plane is called a coronal plane. Now that's 90 degrees to the sagittal plane. So that would be things like lifting your arms outward to your sides or lifting your legs out to the sides of your body. Think of it as well, something like jumping jacks or doing lunges to the side rather than the forward. So if you do lunges forward, that's sagittal. If you do them to the side, that's coronal. The most neglected plane in training and exercise, it's called the twist, where your body twists clockwise or counterclockwise. As a visual, look down like you had a camera above your body. And when you twist, you're turning clockwise or counterclockwise. So when you train the larger fascia through different movements, your fascia can do sagittal, coronal, and twisting planes. Basically, forward-backward movements is sagittal, left and right movements is coronal, and then twisting movements are, well, twisting. 
I reinforced those planes with you because future, I'm going to have an exercise episode and these are important. As it pertains to fascia, it's very important to get this. So every day that you're doing stuff, I don't care what it is, if you are conscious of what you're doing, let's say you have a workout program or you're at work or you have a hobby, whatever it is, if you're doing the same thing over and over and over again in only one plane, you're neglecting those other planes. If you're cognizant of this, then you can train or exercise or do things to counteract that. Kind of along the same lines, give you a quick example of this. I was told that there are many Japanese baseball pitchers that can throw with both arms because they might train as a right-hander and they may throw 120 pitches. Well, then they'll flip and do 120 pitches with the left arm. That way they're not building only one side of their body. They're evening it out. So in this case, if you're doing a sagittal plane, then you need to think about something that you can do in a coronal plane and a twisting plane. Now, here's a caveat. Don't overdo twisting till you have the ability that you can actually safely do it. That can do some serious damage to your spine if you don't know what you're doing or you're not there yet. So if you want to do a twisting action, go really slow. There's no hurry. Work with a chiropractor. Work with a uh, physical therapist or a yoga person or somebody who understands this. But if you're just doing it at home, which you can do at home, don't push it. Go slow. Whatever, if you want to do 10 on one side, you do 10 on the other. Always do it both ways. Most people over 50 have very limited range of twisting. Many of them can't even twist at all. And you can test this yourself, no matter what age you are. Stand with your feet, shoulder width apart. Try and twist your torso. So look one direction or the other, just leaving your pelvic straight. If you can't twist very far, then you know your fascia is holding you back. You will most likely see that you can twist one direction better than the other. That can tell you how off you are. If you can't twist very good, this could be a good indication of why everything hurts all the time. Because your fascia is not pliable and elastic and stretchy and hydrated. It's stiff and sticky. So everything hurts. One of the coolest things about fascia is it is full of nerve sensors, like six to 10 times more than muscle. It is amazingly connected to your central nervous system. Can you imagine if you had, you know, six to 10 times more nerves in your muscle, and then you pulled a muscle or you strained it? from working out? Oh, wow, that would hurt so much worse than it already does. I'm tired of all the pain I feel. Also, because all these nerve endings and nerve fibers, it helps you with what's called proprioception. If you've never heard that term, it's awesome. And it's so cool to think about. Basically, it's knowing where you are in 3D space. Are you sitting up, standing, bending over? Are you in a cold environment? Are you in a hot environment? Is it wind blowing? All these sensory experiences are known as proprioception. What did you just say? Now, this fascia network 
communicates with your brain, letting you know where you are, like what you're doing, where what you're feeling. Are you are you just are you about to fall over? Are you standing up straight? All these different types of feelings that your body has to know where you are in 3D space. And guess what? It's also the opposite. It also has the ability for interoception. That's knowing what's going on on the inside of your body. This is why now scientists are starting to believe that it's fully connected as one large organ working together. Not just individual organs or tissues on their own, like the heart or the pancreas and the brain, that they're all separated. But that not only do you have a central nervous system, but then you have this fascia, which is like a secondary nervous system, and that that's connected from the tissue in your foot to your heart, to your pancreas, to your brain. They're all kind of connected and talking to each other. We just look at our body as this physical mass, but you don't realize what's going on on the inside, which of course, as we've talked about, you know, this autonomic nervous system idea that I keep harping on is really important because if this fascia system is working together for all communication and awareness in and outside your body, this is incredible. This is dramatic in understanding your overall health. Not only does it cause you pain if you don't take care of it, but then it can't communicate very well to tell you're about to fall over, that you don't know if you're balancing properly or not, or that your digestion's working properly. It can't communicate very well. So strengthening, stretching, moving, doing things that change this fascia actually has a much broader impact on your health. This is what makes me so excited about things like this in the body. This is why I think quite possibly fascia could be the most interesting substance or tissue in the body. It is so much more than what they even know. And they admit, scientists say, we know hardly anything about this system. We're just starting to learn about it. And what we know already is what I've been talking about here. It is so fascinating to me that there is this connective tissue that forever people thought, eh, it doesn't really do anything. Oh, it's in the way. I know I need to have good tendons and ligaments, but who cares about all the smaller stuff? Yet you're actually wearing this inner clothing almost that is communicating with your autonomic nervous system to do, well, everything. Because without communication, there's no awareness and the body doesn't know what to do. It must communicate. And this is communicating and adapting every second, every minute because of everything that you're doing or not doing. So if you get something like a fascial restriction, let's say, you can see it on both sides of your body even at one time. If you've had a fascia restriction on one shoulder and you try to lift both your arms, you might not be able to lift both. Or how about knee or hip pain or something like that. You try try to walk because you've got this hip fascia restriction. It affects how you walk. Then it affects your posture because you're trying to compensate for this. Because you can't lift your one arm, your other arm has to do it in a weird way to compensate. So it's literally pulling on all this netting or this rigging, like we said with the sailboat. So the rigging over here is being pulled. Will it affect something over there? So when your hips 
get worn out from trying to overcompensate all the time or your shoulder or your knee or your ankle or any number of areas. You get all this pain and discomfort, lack of circulation, poor communication in the autonomic nervous system. And then you go to the health provider, whoever you have, and you're in there for one area and they start working in another area and you say, wait a minute, what are you doing? And they say, don't worry, I know what I'm doing. The area that you're complaining about is actually related to this other area that's probably more likely your issue. Happens all the time. So then your ability to flex and stretch, I believe, has absolutely nothing to do with your muscles at all whatsoever. We always think that we need to like stretch our muscles. Well, muscle is actually nothing but connective tissue put into like these strands. So technically, it's the connective tissue that's not flexible, which is giving you the inability to touch your toes or reach for something or get up out of a chair. This is restricting you. This fascia is tight and therefore you can't do many of the things you want to do. All the tissue in your body is fascia in some form or another. So by movement and training and stretching and anything you can do to the body as exercise creates very supple, elastic, flexible mesh type of network. You can actually massage certain ligaments and tendons associated with how you can or can't do things like, let's say you want to bend over and you can't really touch your toes. Well, then you can massage and work the tendons and ligaments in like, let's say underneath your foot, you know, the plantar fascia, you can, you can work that with a ball or you can massage it. Then when you go to touch your toes, you can actually go further, may even touch them. So basically by working one area of your body, you can actually work a whole nother area of your body because they're connected. So work one area of the body, you're going to start seeing the benefits in other areas like under your foot. Then your back pain isn't as much because you can stretch better. Working areas of your back might relieve neck pain or working on your head could relieve things like ankle pain, believe it or not, because they're all the fascias all connected from toe all the way up into your head. Hmm. Seems like Chinese medicine knew this like 5,000 years ago. They may have been onto something. Just probably didn't realize that the connective tissue has nerve endings in it. They probably didn't know that. You have in and around your fascia what's called a myofibroblast. Blasts, whenever you hear that term, are usually things that are building in the body. They're the good things. That's what you want. These myofibroblasts are responsible for wound healing, like when you cut yourself or you broke a bone or anything, these suckers come in and just start creating the wound healing. It also gives your fascia ability to stretch and then come back to its original shape. They're like the little workers that make fascia work. So what kind of things uh, can you do to help your fascia network? Well, first thing you do is move. Move as much as you can. Stagnation is the worst thing for your body. They've actually measured fascia quantity after being sedentary for a certain length of time. And then when they looked at it, it was greatly compounded and it had the wrong type of fascia. It had the nasty kind, even after just a couple weeks. So you can imagine what years would do. It's too much for the body to be able to handle. 
you just basically become this network mesh of inflexible fascia. It's not what you want. You want the good kind. Flexible, hydrated, elastic, dynamic. Fascia wants to hold on to water. So if you're slightly dehydrated, even just slightly, you will become stiffer and you'll feel terrible. When you're fully hydrated, the fascia is clear, like that fishing line. If you're less hydrated, it's more white-ish because it's a, it's basically like protein. Think of something like whey protein or dairy. It kind of gets that look. And then if you want to hydrate yourself, especially your fascia, this is where the structured water comes into play that I talked about in episode 19. So if you've never heard of structured water or you really want to know the truth about water, go listen to episode 19. Super fun, super interesting, and it is crucial for good health. This is one of the reasons without good hydration, your fascia becomes stiff and you're going to feel terrible. They say massage therapy is pretty good. It's it's effective. It's just not quite as effective as you might think. It will be more effective if you were more hydrated and you got massage, or if you have like a lot of scar tissue, massage is really good. But basically the fascia is so strong. It's so stiff. It can change so rapidly. It can change with you and it can change so much that massage has to be something that's done all the time, repetitively, every day to really get the good benefits. But if you're in relatively good condition, then it can definitely help you, even if you go once a week. The other way that people are trying to say that they can work on fascia is this foam rolling. If you're going to use it for your IT band, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, you got to be careful because, well, you can make it worse. Done improperly, you can actually damage blood vessels and nerve endings super easily. You can only do it on soft tissue. Don't go near your joints. Don't put too much pressure on your IT band or your muscle or anything else you're working. And you don't want to do it for too long. The whole point of foam rolling is to increase blood flow to the muscles. The idea of breaking up fascia, you aren't breaking it up. The only way you, quote, break up fascia is to hydrate and move and stretch and do exercises in the three different planes. Then you will change your fascia, but you can't, quote, break it up. It doesn't work that way. It's not like ice where you can keep smashing ice and break it into smaller pieces. That's not what it is. Foam rolling does, though, it will increase oxygen saturation in the muscles and it can lower some inflammation in the area, but this is because of the circulation and the nerve conduction you get from rubbing that area. So if it makes you feel better, use it. Just be careful. You don't want to hurt yourself. Usually when you're feeling better from foam rolling, it's just because you've disconnected your nervous system from that area. So you feel better. It does way more for professional athletes than for regular people like us. Now, exercise will help you grow fascia in the right way. That will promote slow or fast twitch muscles. For example, plyometrics training, one of my favorite for losing body fat. You can do hopping, rebounding, a real trampoline, you know, the big ones. You can jump rope, sprinting, or hit training. If you don't know what that is, talk to somebody. And then for slow twitch muscle, you can do isometric training. Now, isometric 
is, in my opinion, better than anything. But for the most part, you want to do both. It's also known as static training, which is like you're holding a certain position. And so your muscles are firing like crazy until you just can't hold it any longer. Let's say you do a squat. You stop halfway, hold it. Or you're doing a bench press. You push halfway up, hold it. You're doing a push-up on the floor or a sit-up. You want to hold it midstream and just concentrate on that muscle just firing like crazy for as long as it can until you go, I can't hold it anymore. Then you let go. By the way, gymnasts do so much static training. They build all this muscle and yet their muscles grow like this because they're using so much static training. And then when they're doing the plyometrics by jumping and flipping and doing these kinds of things or sprinting, they create fast twitch. So they end up with slow twitch and fast twitch muscle, super strong, super flexible, very, very powerful. And they look amazing. I mean, come on. The other one you can do is Yoda training. For 800 years have I trained Jedi. Yes, I said Yoda. Then the other one is, uh, how about Pilates? You know how difficult Pilates is. If you've ever tried it, wow. That will definitely make you feel bad fascia as it's trying to change. And of course, yoga. That's the easier form of Pilates. One of the easiest ways you can do to increase your good fascia is also through proper nutrition. Why? Because the more you move, you're going to need stuff to build. It's got to add to it in order to keep up with all this new growth, this changing and adapting to your exercise, movement, whatever it is you're doing. Best way, meat. Why meat? Well, because it's the best protein source you can get. Why? Why would you say that, Eric? The main aspect about eating animal foods is they are sulfuric foods. Basically, they've taken sulfur and combined it with amino acids to make amino acid sulfur-based proteins. Plants don't have these proteins. The animals create them. And then when you eat them, you're getting these sulfuric amino acids. These are super rebuilding, very, very healthy, and what makes meat a superfood or animal foods, superfoods. Eggs, as an example. Seafood and fish, super loaded with sulfur. Organ meats, dairy, beef. Of course, the ruminant animals, lamb, venison, bison, uh, goat. The other one that's really high in sulfur is actually wild birds, like pheasant. <laughs> These kinds of things. Chicken is pretty good, but if you're looking for something that's in the plant world, really almost all plant situations are very low in sulfur and they don't have the protein attached to it. So it's low absorption, low utilization. Not saying that you can't use sulfur from plant sources. It's just not as good. But the number one plant source of sulfur is amazingly high. It is easily three times, four times higher than any animal food. And that is mustard, super high in sulfur, which is probably makes it so pungent. But you still have to turn that sulfur into sulfur amino acids, like N-acetylcysteine, these kinds of things. Then we have vitamin C, which creates collagen and the different types. You may have heard these, but the fascia is made up of collagen as well as other things. But it's, it's these collagen types. You've heard collagen 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Vitamin C makes all of them. Yes, you do get vitamin C from animal foods, and it's good sourced 
and vitamin C. Non-acidic, 100% utilized. They just don't test for it in animal foods. So if you look up how much vitamin C is in an animal food, they don't tell you because they don't test for it. The other nutritional situation you're going to make sure you're going to want is zinc. Now, zinc is really important, which comes from animal foods as well, but zinc is really important with copper. You have to balance these out a 15 to 1 or a 10 to 1 ratio. So if you're going to buy a bottle of it, make sure it's got copper. If it doesn't have copper in it, you need to buy a bottle of copper too. You're always going to see copper at super low amounts and zinc at usually, you know, 25 to 50, 60 milligrams. Make sure that you're getting a 15 or 10 to 1 ratio in order to make that zinc actually bioactive. I hope you found this interesting and helpful. I will have a video link in the description so you can see fascia live under the skin. I'm telling you, it's going to help you understand what it looks like and how dynamic it is and what's really going on. It is totally incredible footage and I guarantee you that you will be astounded once you see how it works. What's going on? It's crazy cool. Totally mind-blowing. It looks like alien stuff. All right, take care of yourselves. If you want to contact me, my info is in the description box. Feel free to ask a question or suggest a topic, maybe some feedback, whatever. I look at every email and every comment, but please, be constructive. I will not tolerate spam or rudeness or lewd comments. This is a place for healing and knowledge, not a negative space. If you want to read the transcript, it will be located on my website for each episode. It is therealityofhealth.com. <laughs>